Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. In honor of President's Day, this week our podcast features an episode of Mr. President, with the name of the president revealed only at the end. It first aired on July 17, 1947. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. The American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations present Mr. President with Edward Arnold. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our country, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. The true human stories of Mr. President. Let's visit Mr. President in the White House. It is evening, and only one window shows a light, a study on the ground floor. We find ourselves in the corridor outside his office. Go right in. Some visit for you, Mr. President. Hello. Sit down, won't you? You know, some people think when they cross the threshold of the White House, they step into a maze of state secrets and official documents. Well, in a way, that's right. But we have our lighter moments and the exciting ones, too. Sometimes they become almost too exciting. For instance, this story I'm going to tell you tonight. Which president was I when this story happened? I'll tell you later on. But meanwhile, see if you can guess. Well, my story begins with one of the lighter moments. Come in. Uh, Evening, Mr. President. Ready for some refreshments? Uh, Good for you, Ralph. Yes, sir, the usual. Ginger ale and orange juice. Uh, Did you make it with California oranges? Uh, No, sir, I made it with Florida oranges. They're better. Now, Ralph, haven't you been following my campaign? Uh, am I going to win the election if you keep flavoring Florida f- favoring Florida f- with oranges, eh? Well, yes, sir, I know that. I know all about that. Yes, sir. Well, well, go on. I'll tell you what I'll do, sir. I'll use California oranges after the election. I'm going back to Florida. <laughs> after all, Mr. President, you wouldn't want a man to desert his native state. Uh, here's your drink, sir. Thank you. Mmm, it's delicious. Excuse me, Mr. President, your campaign manager's here. Oh, have him come in, Miss Sarah. All right, Mr. Clark. Thank you, Miss Harry. Mr. President, I'm glad you were able to see me tonight. Uh, sit down, Clark. Ralph, will you pour Mr. Clark a nightcap? Thank you, sir. I'll leave the pitcher handy on this table, Mr. President. All right, Ralph. Now, Clark, what can I do for you? Mr. President, frankly, I'm worried about the campaign. What did you learn on your recent trip? New Jersey, Rhode Island, all along the eastern seaboard. It's the same story. That I'm losing the election. That's right. I've been talking, working 18 hours a day, but it's no use. The people want war, and Wells is playing up to that. Just yesterday, he came out accusing you of being an appeaser. 
He even went so far as to say you're a weakling, that you lack courage to stand up for the country's rights. Now, how can I answer him? Well, that must be difficult for you. Difficult? It's an impossible situation. Don't you understand? I can't sit by and watch you being cut down without doing something about it. Mr. Clark, I'm afraid you don't understand the position I'm in. What do you mean? Knowing how I feel, I don't believe that I can continue in the campaign. But, Mr. President... Already since this election began, our sovereign rights have been ruthlessly violated. I can't use the normal diplomatic channels to avoid getting into conflict. I've tried that. The first time American lives are lost... Our people will demand a showdown. That will mean a declaration of war. In other words, you... I have used every means at my command to avoid war. And now I believe it is hopeless. Don't you see where that puts all my campaign arguments? I understand Any that, change but... in my platform would be an open admission that I have failed. Well, isn't that true, sir? For diplomatic reasons, I can't admit that publicly. Then we have no recourse against Wells. That is correct. But what about our party? There is nothing I can do about that. There are some things more important than the party. Well... What do you plan to do? Resign. Do... What? I thought it would startle you. It did me when I first thought about it. How can you do it, sir? I have a plan. It is not finally worked out, but I should be able to tell you about it in a few days. What of the election in our party? We lose the election as gracefully as we can. As to the party, I'm afraid the country comes first. I can see you've made up your mind. Yes. I thought a great deal upon what would be my duty if Wells is elected. During the four months before his inauguration, I would still be president without such moral backing from the nation as would be necessary to steady and control our relations with other governments. Yes, your position would be difficult. Difficult? I would be, be known to be the rejected, not the accredited spokesman of the country. And yet the accredited spokesman would be without legal authority to speak for the nation. If only there was some constitutional provision... All my life I have advocated such responsible government for the United States. Responsible government means government by those whom the people trust, and trust at the time of decision and action. You realize what precedent this sort of thing could set? I do. Such action on my part would inaugurate, at least by example, a remedy for the disadvantage of having to live for four months... After an election, under a party whose guidance has been rejected at the polls. You honestly believe there's no other way? In ordinary times, it would perhaps not be necessary. But in the existing circumstance, it's, it's imperative. The choice of policy in respect of our foreign relations rests with the executive. No such situation has ever existed before. And I have no right to risk the peace of the nation by remaining in office after I've lost my authority. And you intend going ahead with the necessary preparation? That's correct, Mr. Clark. Will you keep me posted? You can depend upon that. Good morning, Mr. President. I hope you're feeling well today. Thank you, Miss Sarah. I brought in our current election file. I thought you'd want to go over it this morning. Mm, no, no, not now, Miss Sarah. Very well. Uh, would you get Secretary of State Atkins on the phone, please? Yes, uh... By the way, Mr. President, would you mind if Joseph came in to do the windows? Windows? They, they look all right to me. Oh, don't worry about them, Miss uh, You can have Joseph, Joseph clean them later. Now, uh, get Atkins on the wire for me. Please. Yes, Mr. President. The State Department, Secretary Atkins, please. The President is calling. If I could just make him see my... What, Mr. President? Oh, nothing. I. Uh... Oh, excuse me. The Secretary's on the phone now. Hello? Good morning, Atkins. Good morning, Mr. President. Did you receive any answer to our last note uh, on their seizing American property? No, no answer yet, Mr. President. Any reports from our overseas departments? No, sir. Had a quiet morning so far. So far, huh? No news is good news, is that it? That's right. Oh, uh, 
Clark was over to see me this morning. Yes? He's quite disturbed. He feels the election is hopeless. Yes, I know. Did he tell you anything of my plans? No, no, Mr. President. But he did indicate that you were, well, shall we say, disinterested in the campaign. I must say that I'm surprised. <laughs> I imagine many people in my administration are going to be surprised. But as Secretary of State, surely you understand my reasons. Yes, I think I do. But can't you alter your campaign policies to fit this situation overseas? I'm afraid it's too late. Mr. President, I'd like to discuss this further with you in person. Fine. I'd, I'd like to talk with you, too. May I come over this afternoon? I wish you would. Thank you, sir. Goodbye, Atkins. Mr. President. Uh, Mr. Atkins will be over soon. Let's keep the afternoon clear for a long meeting. Uh, Mr. President. Did you understand about Atkins? I understand perfectly about Atkins. Well, what is it, then? I'm worried about Joseph. Joseph? Yes, he's waiting in the hall with his mops and buckets. Oh, for heaven's sake, let him come in and get the windows done with. I think I've been outmaneuvered here. All right, Joseph, you can come in now. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. President, but... Miss Sarah said you wanted these windows cleaned. Well, Joseph, that's not an accurate statement of the situation, but uh, come on in just the same. Yes, sir. Um, Mr. President. Yes, Joseph. Do you mind if I ask you a question? I don't want to disturb you, but... No, no, go right ahead, Joseph. Well, sir, do you believe we're going to get in this war? Why? A good many people seem to think so. Yes, Mr. President, I know. And if you'll excuse me, sir, well, the way things are going, I have to agree with them. Well, Joseph, every man's entitled to his opinion. I've done a good bit of thinking about it, Mr. President. You see, I, I don't imagine you know this, but I got relatives over there. Oh, you have? Yes, sir. Matter of fact, Mr. President, some of my people have already lost their lives in this war. I'm sorry, Joseph. I didn't know it. It's been working on my mind, sir. So much so that, well, I decided to do something about it. And what are you going to do, Joseph? I'm resigning, sir. Resigning? Yes, sir. I made up my mind to enlist. I see. <laughs> it seems like everybody's resigning. I don't understand you, sir. Uh, Joseph, you realize the possible consequences. Yes, sir. I'll be over there at a time when it might cost me my life. Well, as long as you're sure... It's hard for you to understand how I feel, isn't it, Mr. President? No, Joseph. I understand better than you imagine. You see, in one way or another, all of us are being called upon to make sacrifices. That's how I look at it, Mr. President. Of course, Joseph. We may, may not all serve in just the same way. No. But I won't feel satisfied till I'm in uniform. I understand, Joseph. If I had a reason such as yours, I'd want to get in there and fight, too. Haven't you got a reason, Mr. President? Not yet, Joseph. And I hope I won't have... I hope so, too. Well, the windows are clean, sir. <laughs> all right, Joseph, all right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. <laughs> yes? Uh, Miss Sarah, let me know the minute Mr. Atkins arrives. I will, Mr. President. So, you see, Mr. Atkins, it looks very much as though Wells is going to win the election. That means our people want him as their president beginning this November. Why should they have to wait until March for him to be inaugurated? Well, as you know, the Constitution is written that way. True, but there is another interesting provision in our laws. Mm, what's that? That the Secretary of State be second in line to succeed the chief executive. I, I don't understand what you're driving at, Mr. President. Simply this. Suppose on the day that Wells wins the election, I resign. Resign? That's correct. 
And let's suppose that my vice president and my secretary of state also resign. Mr. President, you... My final act before leaving the office would be to appoint Wells secretary of state in your place. Then you mean... Yes, I mean that Wells would automatically take office as chief executive four months before his organization would ordinarily be due. I've got to compliment you. It is an ingenious plan. Ingenious, yes. But does it appeal to you, Mr. Secretary? I don't know what to say, Mr. President. It would spare us all four difficult months. More important than that, much more important, America would present a united front. Yes, but... uh, Tell me this, Mr. Atkins. If I can get the vice president to agree, would you give your consent? That is something I shall have to think over, Mr. President. If the vice president and I both resign, you'd be alone here in a most embarrassing situation with a Congress largely against you. Hmm. True enough. Well, then, if the vice president goes along with you, I shall have to give my consent. Good. Thank you, Mr. Atkins. Uh, Miss Sarah, see if you can arrange for the vice president to come over this afternoon. But, Mr. President, there's no precedent for what you're attempting to do. And there's no precedent for the current situation. I just don't like the thought of this resignation. Neither do I, Mr. Lewis. But in my position, I do many things I don't like. Are you sure there is no other way? I'm very sure. Well, all right. You have my consent. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Well, I won't keep you any longer. I know you have a great many matters to attend to. Yes, that's quite true. Good day, Mr. President. I'll tell Adkins what we have decided. Good day, and thank you. Mr. President, now that your callers have gone, don't you want to look over the reports on your campaign? No, no. Let's put that off a while, Miss Sarah. Well, I, I don't want to be a nuisance, Mr. President, but... The election's only two months off, and I know you generally keep very close touch with your people in the field. Yes, yes, I know. I don't like to seem curious, Mr. President. But... Uh, you're always curious, Miss Sarah. In a way, I feel it's the secretary's duty. <laughs> uh, Miss Sarah, any time I find you neglecting your duties, I'll remind you of it. <laughs> but so far, that has never been necessary. Anything more I can do for you, Mr. President, before I go? Yes, phone Clark and ask him to come and see me the first thing in the morning. I've got some news for him. You might say he's the last stronghold to be taken in this attack. What? What did you say? I, well, nothing, nothing, Miss Sarah. Good night. My, you're in a good mood. Who am I? (laughs) I believe you can thank the cook for that. I uh, notice you whistle that tune when things are going well. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, perhaps so. Is Clark here? Yes, just a moment. I'll ask him to come in. Come in, Mr. Clark. Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning, Clark. Have you talked with Atkins? Yes, I have. Then you know they have agreed to resign. I do, sir. But I'm sorry to hear of it. Well, I'm not going to try and justify this thing to you again, Clark. But I should like you to do everything you can to make my reasons for this clear to our party members. I'll do my best. They've worked hard in this election, and I wouldn't want them to think that I had purposely let them down. I'm sure that it can be handled. And please express my gratitude to all the district leaders. I shall write each one of them a personal note. That would help, sir. And Clark... I'm very grateful to you for all that you've done. Thank you, sir. Goodbye, Clark. Good day, sir. 
Miss Sarah. Yes, Mr. President. Miss Sarah, I want you to take a letter to the vice president and send a copy to Secretary Atkins and uh, Clark should get one too. Mr. President. Miss Sarah, you're not writing? Mr. President, when are you going to tell me what this secret is? It seems to be going the rounds. Everybody knows about it but your secretary. Miss Sarah, I'm surprised at you. There's no secret. But what is this plan of attack you speak of? <laughs> I want the vice president and the secretary of state to resign. Resign? That's right. So I can join them. But I don't understand. Miss Sherry, how do you feel about the situation overseas? Do you think we can stay out of this war? From all I can read, there's not much chance we can stay out of it, Mr. President. That's exactly what I think. And I don't want to be the one to send thousands of young Americans to their death on foreign soil. I understand. Whoever is president during the next term may not have a choice. But I'm grateful that I still have one. You were going to dictate a letter to the... Vice President and Secretary of State. Yes. Uh, gentlemen, I am sending the attached statement for your comments and suggestions. As you understand, my statement will be announced to the press simultaneously with the announcements of the Vice President and the Secretary of State. Did you get that? Yes, I did. And uh, the statement? Oh, yes, the statement. I uh, hereby offer my resignation as... President of the United States, commencing immediately, the newly appointed Secretary of State under the laws provided for in the Constitution will take office as President. Hello? Secretary Atkins, Miss Sarah. May I speak to the President? Just a moment. It's Secretary Atkins. Good. Yes, Atkins. Uh, an answer to a note has just come in. What's the nature of it? It's written in pretty plain language, Mr. President. They're replying to our charges of seizing American property. Their attitude seems to be they'll take what they want, whatever they want. I see. Another thing, Mr. President. Dennis Cable said he expects renewed incidents directed against American interests in the Mediterranean and the Far East. I understand. Very well, Atkins. Well, events are moving faster than I expected. What does that mean? That we have uh, very little time. Well, let me see. Where was I, Miss Sarah? You uh, just finished dictating the note to the vice president. Oh, yes. Uh, see that it's delivered immediately and ask the press room to keep me informed. <laughs> Any new developments, Miss Sarah? Yes, Mr. President. A note just delivered to the State Department. They threaten unrestricted warfare against our shipping in the English Channel. Mr. President, the Federal Bureau just informed me of a plot to blow up the key bridges in the metropolitan areas of the United States. Mr. President, the opposing candidate last night in his address at Philadelphia disclosed a plan to attack the United States from Mexico. He accused you of knowing of the plot and keeping it a secret from the public. I wonder how much longer we've got to stay out of this thing. Shall I close the window? No, let them shout. They have a right to voice their feelings. It's Mr. Wells' talk last night that's doing it. It's just adding to it. Is the threat of attacks on our shipping and what they're doing to England and France. Mr. President, is there anything else you can do? No, I've sent notes. I've demanded that our rights as a neutral nation be respected. And what have we gotten in return? Abuse. There's no alternative. There's no alternative now but to declare war. And the worst part of it is I think our enemies know that and are waiting for it. Then why not go ahead? That is not my position. It is the people's, and it must be their decision. And until I'm sure that they are unanimous, I must continue to wait. Hello? Atkins, is the president in? Oh, just a moment. It's Mr. Atkins. I'll again. take him. Yes, Atkins. Mr. President, it's happened. The 
Surprise attack this morning. 114 American lives lost. The news should break on the streets any moment. They meant what they said in their last note. Yes, and I'm afraid this is only the beginning. Well, I'm going back into the fight, Atkins. You mean a declaration of war? Only a personal declaration of war now. This is going to be a long fight, Atkins, and I'm starting at the beginning. And that means the resignation... The resignation is out. They've started something that I hope to finish. Have you heard the news? Joseph, you shouldn't break in like that. That's all right, Miss Surrey. Yes, I have, Joseph. What does it mean? That you and I have got some work to do. First, I have an election to win, and after that, we'll see if our enemies haven't taken on more than they can bargain for. Mr. President, may I come in? Yes, indeed, Clark. Come in. I got your message, and I've made all the arrangements, sir. Your first speech will be in Cleveland. I've scheduled them in strategic cities west, ending in California. All right, Clark. Anything you say. Thank you, sir. Oh, I'm glad we're getting into this fight before it's too late. You're right on that, Clark. Their character, their cargo, their destination, their errand have been sent to the bottom without warning. That, I say, is more than human tolerance can stand. I have advocated peace with all my being. Now I advocate preparedness, alertness with all my being. Speaking as a candidate for the presidency, I wish to bring to your attention the turnabout which the honorable gentleman now holding that office has made. I say to you, don't be fooled. A man who cries peace, peace in one breath and war in the next is not a fit leader of our armed forces. back in the press room. The latest news here post shows the president is gay. Don't get excited. But Miss Sarah, don't you know what that means? It means he still has a fighting chance. Let no man, let no group of men, believe they can flaunt the flag of the United States with impunity. And still he talks. My opponent evidently thinks he can fight battles with words. Let me remind him, his fine words did not protect those 114 American lives. I hold the president personally responsible for the disaster. People of California, I have tried during this campaign to present the true facts behind this present world crisis. What is your will in the matter? I respectfully await your decision. It doesn't look good, Clark. There goes Minnesota to Wells. Continue. That's 38. Gentlemen, I think that the sensible thing is to concede this election. Mr. President, perhaps you're for forgetting. There are some of the western states that haven't yet been heard from. I'm afraid most of the west will be in the Wells column. Gentlemen, I'm rather tired. I think all of us are. I know you've been working very hard. There really isn't any purpose to our following the returns any longer. Mr. President, you've made a magnificent try. Thank you, Atkins. You know I appreciate all you've done. 
What do you plan now, Mr. President? Our path is clear. I intend to follow my original plan of resigning. Good night, gentlemen. Good night, Miss Sarah. Come in. Mr. President, I, I bought the trunk you asked for. Oh, thank you, Joseph. Mr. President, I'm sorry about the election. Oh, that's all right, Joseph. It was to be expected. Shall I start to pack the stuff? Stuff? Stuff, Joseph? Why, that's my favorite golfing sweater. It's my favorite trout fishing hat. And I wouldn't trade that croquet mallet for anything in the world. They have all done good service. And I intend to put them to work again as quickly as possible. Mr. President, I've been wondering, sir, how does the president go about resigning? Where did you hear that, Joseph? All the servants are talking about it. Well, I knew it would get out, but I hope not this quickly. Is it so difficult to resign? It was easy for me. All I did was turn in my notice, and I got two weeks' extra pay. <laughs> well, it won't be quite that simple for me, and I'll not get two weeks' extra pay. And if the newspapers get hold of it before it's final, all I get will be headaches. So what is it, Miss Sarah? The returns have just come in from California. It looks like you're leading out there. Are you sure? What is true, sir? When I came to the White House this morning, I went straight to the press room. The new returns were just coming in. With California in our corner, it gives you a margin of 23 electoral but votes. Class! You've won, sir! Congratulations, Mr. President. Uh, thank you, Joseph. It looks like we're both going to be in there fighting. Yes, sir. And uh, oh, Joseph, I guess you'd better put those things back into the storeroom. Your western trip did the trick, sir. Swung California. The crowd has heard the news, Mr. President. They're expecting a word from you. They've been gathering on the lawn since early this morning. I think it would be good if you would speak to them, Mr. President. All right, why don't you all come down with me? There's one choice we cannot make. We're incapable of making. We will not choose the path of submission and suffer the most sacred rights of our nation and our people to be ignored or violated. And so I now accept the responsibility that you, the American people, have placed in me for the struggle that is to come. Oh, Miss Sarah, you don't seem to be very happy. Oh, I was just thinking how near we came to having a vacation. Yes, I thought of the same thing many times these past few days. Sir, can I come in? Yes, certainly, Ralph. I thought you might like a little refreshment along about now. Ginger ale and orange juice. Ralph, is it made with... Uh... California oranges, Mr. President. Fine. Yes, sir, I've changed my allegiance. <laughs> I'll just put the pitcher here on the table. <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. And, Ralph, you can take the day off tomorrow and get some rest. These last few days have been pretty hard. Thank you, sir. Um, does that apply to me? It does not. Hmm. You've got too much work to do. <laughs> I knew that all the time, Mr. President. I'd have been here whether you wanted me or not. You know, sometimes I think you put up a tougher argument than Wells. He'd at least concede a point once in a while. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? After all, he's a man. Miss Sari, I learned a long time ago. Never argue with a woman. You're bound to lose. Exactly, Mr. President. Exactly, Miss Sarah. <laughs> <laughs>
we did get into the war and finally won it. And very few people ever knew how close their president had come to resigning. Nothing like that has ever happened and maybe never will. But it was awfully close that time. Well, have you guessed who I was when all this happened? It really did happen, you know. Yes, it's a true story. And it happened in 1916, when Woodrow Wilson was Mr. President and enjoyed a good glass of orange juice and ginger ale and a rollicking game of croquet in the White House lawn. Won't you join us again next week? I've got another story I'm sure you'll enjoy. Good night. Edward Arnold may currently be seen with Clark Gable, Deborah Carr, Sidney Greenstreet, and Adolph Marju in Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's production of The Hucksters. <laughs> Mr. President is produced by Robert G. Jennings, directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah is played by Betty Lou Gerson. Tonight's script by Richard Dana was based on an episode in the administration of Woodrow Wilson. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adler. when Edward Arnold brings you another story of Mr. President, Owen James speaking. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Each episode of this program begins with a narrator introducing the show with some variation of the following. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our country, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are the little-known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear the true human stories of Mr. President. Each story was meticulously researched to present a true-to-life tale of the human side of the chief executive. The role of the president was voiced by Edward Arnold and was carefully written and played so the identity the president featured that week was not revealed until the very end of the episode, when he was addressed by name. This device was employed to encourage listeners to guess his identity. The series was written by Ira Marion, who was also responsible for Crime Does Not Pay, and featured some of the top performers of the period, among them B. Benaderet, Gil Stratton, Hans Conried, Loreen Tuttle, and Herb Butterfield. The announcer was Owen James. The series ran on ABC Radio from June 1947 to September 1953, with stories about presidents from George Washington to Calvin Coolidge. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.